Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, and we are in London. And it's so exciting. We're at TBWA London uh, with Sarah Tate, CEO. Uh, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well. Nice to have you here. Yeah, so it's such a pleasure to be here. I think this is our first podcast ever in London. Wow, we We are the inaugural podcast. Yeah, and so uh, at, when this is released, we're recording it a little bit early, but it will be uh, public knowledge that TBWA is our global agency network of the year. Yay! Uh, so congratulations. A lot of the conversation around TBWA over the last year has been about the London operation, both at TBWA London. London and at Lucky Generals, which you also worked at previously. Yes, I can give you an inside track from, yeah. from both sides of the fence. Yeah. Well, great. So uh, what we want to do is basically just talk a little bit about your career path, which I think is fascinating. You've literally worked at every single agency in Britain. That's sort of true. And, <laughs> and during that period of time, I've pretty much done every single job, every agency, apart from being a creative. So uh, yeah, I, um, I've been in the industry two decades obviously I'm only 25 so I started really young yeah. um uh, and actually I started I I tried to get a job as an account man but no one would give me one so I just took a job as a planner anyway which actually turned out to be much better and much more suited to me um but I was a strategist a strategy director for the first you know 12 years of my career um and then I uh took the unusual move into new business which is not a fashionable move for strategists to do um, but actually, I, I was a, a mother at the time, and they're really all for um, moving people around the business and switching people between disciplines. And actually, I loved it because uh, strategic skills are really valuable in building your own business, not just building a client's business. And that's really where I I learned how a communications company, how it works, how it services clients, how it makes money. You know, the old adage, uh, you know, you can have as many strategies as you want, but if you haven't got any business, you haven't got a business. And actually that applies as much to your own agency as your client's company. So it really sort of taught me to understand the runnings of a business rather than just apply that to a client. And then I became MD, went into general management. Um, and then eventually I've, I've ended up as, as a CEO, which I was a, was a path I hadn't planned from the start, but I've absolutely loved it. Yeah. So d- tell me a bit about your, your last transition. You were at Lucky Generals when uh, you came in. So when did TBWA acquire Lucky Generals? Uh, 2017, end of 2017. Yeah. So mm. I, um, I had, uh, I'd had my second child and, uh, and I'd left my old agency. I'd been there for 10 years and the time was right for me. I'd finished having my family. I'd had an amazing 10 years and I thought it's time to have a new adventure. It's time to go out into the world and learn some new things. So I went to Lucky Generals cause it's an amazing agency. It's an amazing startup and I had a great year there. And then after the acquisition happened, they were looking for a CEO to come here I was sort of listening to the conversations happening behind me. 
And then at some point, we just all looked at each other and said, hang on a minute, this, why don't, that's a great job for me to go over and do. Um, and actually, the person I've got to thank is our chief creative officer here at TBWA London, because him and I had worked together at Mother many, many years ago. And he actually suggested, I think he said at the time, we need someone like Sarah. And they were like, well, we actually have Sarah. She's <laughs> over here. So why didn't anyone put those things together before? So I can blame him in the tougher days, and then I can thank him in the easier days. But yeah, so I got to come and basically be reunited with him and sort of hop over the other side of the bridge, as I call it, because they're literally like 15 minutes away, lucky generals, um, and sort of and, and come over and, and be part of this amazing story here. So you, you're you obviously a veteran of the London agency scene. And one of the things I think is fascinating in, in the way of that TBWA London is a microcosm for the network is that it's been a roller coaster uh, of a kind of a reputation. I want to say that the high watermark to me as admittedly someone not in, the, in Britain is TBWA, London seemed to peak around, you know, 2007, 2008. Like it yeah. was really one of those agencies everyone was paying attention to yeah. and then kind of drifted off uh, the, the radar, at least internationally. How would you describe kind of the, the, the way you've seen TBWA London over the course of your career? That's a really interesting question, actually. I think there's a... There's a good learning in there for all agencies, which is, I think, RGA, you know, they say they reinvent their strategic approach every seven years. Nothing stays still. Uh, and because in any marketplace, and we've seen the pace of change for clients' businesses get even, even faster. Um, and so actually, when I think of the high watermark for me for TBWA, it was actually when I started in the industry, because it also had another really high period um, in the early 2000s, late 90s. And in fact, I tried to get a job here when I was first coming into the industry. Industry. And as did my CCO, Andy Jack, because it was the old PlayStation Mountain era. Mm, yeah. um, Hello, boys, Wanda Bra. Uh, and uh, Andy Jack, they tried to get them, he tried to get them to look at his book and they refused it. <laughs> and for, actually, for me and him, that had already stuck in our minds. We'd started the industry when our favorite ads would be, you know, we'd be kids and they'd be like, what are your favorite ads? And we'd cite TVWA ads. And then, of course, and there were high points, and then you go through quieter periods, and then there was a high point again, you said, in, in 2007. And I think part of that is um, agencies need to keep pushing change and keep pushing innovation. Um, I, I hope we're going to be moving into, this is a sort of five-year plan for us, I hope we're going to be moving into some more uh, high, high watermarks for, for TBWA in the next couple of years. And I think the... There's no silver bullet for that. I think a big part of what we hope will be the success is um, is the team. I mean, talent is a talent business. You know, the industry is a talent business. Um, but also, I'm lucky enough that I've come in with a with a team. So myself, Anna, our CSO, and Andy, our CCO, we've come in together. We always sort of laugh like a sort of aging pop band. We were kind of assembled and came in. We kind of knew each other before. And so we're really aligned in our vision for the place. And it's meant that we've been able to get stuck in, um, set a course for the agency, get to know all the amazing talent and team that are already here. Um, so I think that I'm hoping that that unity of vision, that relationship, you know, the TBWA is all about the collective. It's all about, you know, uh, collaborating to get to the best in creativity. And so I think coming in with a fresh team who know each other, who collaborate well together, certainly this year stood us in really good stead. It feels like it's been a very tumultuous year on the account front for agencies across London. Uh, there was a lot of big changes. Uh, TBWA yeah. London has has both benefited and suffered for that. Yes. Uh, so tell us about, yeah. um, well, well, first starting with the positive, uh, winning Harvey Nichols, one of the most... Yeah kind of uh, admired, 
brands. I mean, this is a multi, multi, multi Grand Prix winning uh, yeah. client uh, that had a really kind of famously creative relationship. And I think it seemed to rattle the advertising world uh, when they switched yeah. over to you. What was, I guess, what can you tell us about that in terms of that's also got to be, it's, it's great. Yeah. It says a lot, but also kind of yeah. nerve-wracking <laughs> to take on <laughs> you, that crown. It's, it, to go back to your first one, I think you the um, there has been a lot of account moves this year. I think that will continue every year, not for us, but for the industry. I mean, the tenure of marketing directors is kind of two years now. People need to see results. Um, at the same time in the industry, some things don't change, and that is uh, clients looking for strong relationships. Uh, and actually that's at the root of the Harvey Nichols win is that that client had worked with TBWA before in her previous role at Harrods. Um, so she knew disruption. She knew the agency DNA. There were people uh, here that she trusted that she'd worked with before. And so she was new in her role. And when clients go into their role, she knew she had to do something different in the business. She needed to prove results. So um, in the time old fashion, she looked towards a, a business that she knew, an approach that she knew, and people that she knew. And they always say, your next piece of new business is already in your address book. You know, So the, the pace of change speeds up, but within that change, people look for quality talent that they've, that they've worked with before. So in that case, we were, the agency was absolutely the recipient of a great piece of business, and in part because of the great work that they'd, that they'd done with her before. And that's, that's interesting. The challenge for that work is completely different than the previous um, uh, marketing director was overseeing. Um, and the shape of the work that we do will be completely different than Adam and Eve's work. I mean, they're Adam and Eve, another Omnicom agency, amazing agency, got, got great respect for them. Um, the shape of the work they were doing was much more um, using a media buy, more kind of traditional advertising, so, but, you know, great, great print work, kind of fashion-led print work. Our client went in and her challenge was um, Harrods is 300 meters around the corner. They have 1.4 million going through the door every month. Harvey Nichols have 70,000. So it's a very clear footfall challenge. That's a great challenge to have, a really, really tight brief. And the solution to that brief isn't the type of work that Adam and Eve used to do before. It's very, very targeted activations that resonate in a really cultural way with a much tighter group of people. So it's much more activation focused and really data driven. The first thing we did for them, we think sort of fashion brand, luxury, the first thing we did was a data driven segmentation, which is something people might think, that's very unsexy for yeah, Harvey Nichols. So sexy. <laughs> but you know what? If you don't know who you're selling to, you can't get them through the door. And if you can't get them through the door, you can't increase sales. And if you can't increase sales, your creativity is not having an impact on the business. Um, and the first thing we, the first thing we did, um, the Holly Nichols name change, did a kind of month of activities promoting the opening of their third floor, which is is to a really defined group of people because you know you're talking about a group of London shoppers, a particular segment. So everything was store focused. We changed the name to Holly Nichols. We did. Um, uh, a sort of homage to the suffragettes, 100 years of suffragettes who'd smashed Harvey Nichols' windows 100 years ago when they went rampaging uh, around London. So we invited um, uh, Helen Pankhurst, Emmeline Pankhurst's great-granddaughter, to come and re-smash the windows. And my favourite <laughs> story of it was they were saying that um, for the store staff, they were like a woman had seen the, had seen the Holly Nichols' um, ad piece in Canada and she'd come over and she'd walked in and she'd bought 1500 pounds worth of coat and the store staff were just like 
that is what we need. That is exactly it. Now, it's kind of unusual because you've sort of seen it from halfway around the world. But you're like, everything we do, disruption is about driving business effect for clients. And the work that we do for Harvey Nichols will be a different shape because of that. So, um, yeah, we've got a really interesting one coming out for Christmas, which I can't yet tell you about. But again, it's not advertising. It's a sort of shoppable experience, like completely different. Hmm. Uh, now, TBWA London also had a, uh, a five-year relationship with, uh, with, and again, it's pronounced a little different in every country, Lidl, how do you say it in Britain? Little. Little. <laughs> um, and uh, th- so that was obviously uh, uh, one of the bigger client losses this year. Uh, what can you tell us about that and, and what the message for you from that one was? Really interesting. Um, I have worked in retail, been lucky enough to work in retail for, for, for a long time on different clients. Five years is like in dog years in retail, it's like 50 years. So for an agency to keep a retail account for five years is kind of bonkers. Um, so it's not surprising that after five years, they look to go to market. And actually this year, I think in the last two years, as has been up for pitch, Sainsbury's has been up for pitch, Tesco's has moved. I mean, it happens. And Lidl had actually also just moved their media as well. They're a sort of... Um, they're an efficiency-driven business, so clients look to drive efficiencies by moving. We're, um, well, I say we're really proud of the work that we've done, but also that the team here have done over the last few years because we absolutely, I cannot claim uh, much of that work because a lot of it was done before we came, but really great creative work um, that this year we won some amazing effectiveness awards for as well, which again is the absolute proof of disruption. So our first ever um, Grand Prix FE to calculate that over the last five years that comms has been responsible for driving 2.7 billion uh, pounds worth of incremental revenue for the business. So we're really proud of what we've done. As we said before, the industry changes really quickly. So we were invited to repitch. We didn't take them up on the offer. Um, uh, we just, I think they're a, a client we've had a good relationship with, but we're just going to move forward with with some other things. As you say, sometimes agencies benefit from those moves. Like we got Harvey Nichols, and then and then sometimes sometimes you don't. Where would you say are the biggest gaps in your portfolio in terms of categories that you don't have uh, at the moment in clients? We would love to get another retailer. We'd love to get another retailer. Retailers lock you out from all other retailers, pretty much, particularly a supermarket retailer because they also sell toiletries, little sell non-food items. So if you've got one of those, you, you're locked out from a lot of others. So definitely, definitely another retailer and actually could be retailers in different sectors. We've got amazing experience there. I've got an amazing team here who from the end of February will have time available to do that. And we've got an amazing effectiveness track record. Um, We're also actually launching um, mobile, TWA mobile in the next couple of weeks in the UK. And that's to, we've noticed that particularly um, for retail clients, there's a need to own the mid to low funnel, the kind of direct to market um, purchase channels. And so what that's allowing us to do is get even stronger in mobile and e-com. So packaging that up with the rest of our retail experience is going to be a really interesting proposition for clients next year. And it sounds like you're kind of getting at one of the biggest issues, maybe the biggest issue facing the uh, the agency industry is the value of agencies and, and so much mm. of the work moving in-house. And the kind of moves you're talking about are the kind of moves that clients seem to to feel the agencies aren't embracing enough and that yeah. they're, they are still clinging to the... Uh, kind of the the sexiest creative aspects of the work, uh, but not yeah. 
the trench work of data and uh, customer experience and yeah. some of these issues. Is that something that's always kind of top of mind for you or that you... Yeah, and actually it's one of the reasons I came to TBWA because I came from a hugely creative agency, but an agency that was was not part of a network. And I'd always been, I used to have a joke with the guys, like, indie till I die, I'll never join a network. But actually one of the reasons I came is the pace of innovation has to really, really speed up. And it's quite hard to do that as an indie in this marketplace. And I came in because TBWA is basically a massive sandbox where there are offices in the collective that are much bigger than us that are really really advanced in certain areas so for an agency of our size in London as sort of an agency that's from a classic ATL background our data capability is enormous and and second to none Um, uh, and we see the same with we're actually rolling out um, TBWA mobile because it's an offering that we're taking that they already run in Amsterdam and I'm like great let's have it let's plug it in here so it's actually a way of being able to kind of supercharge and superpower that innovation. Same with production. We're going to have a big push on um, being able to do a lot more agile in-house production for agencies, uh, for clients in this coming year. Um, and again, in my previous places, uh, I've, you know, I've looked to build production studios. It's taken a long time. Well, here I go to the global uh, the global CEO meetings, and you know, there's the guy in LA who's built the whole of the LA content studio for for Apple, and they're like, "Here you go, we'll show you. You know, here's the plan on that. Here's what worked quickly. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. So I can learn and just bring it back to this office, kind of you know, straight away, rather than having to go through the much slower iterative pace of change of trying it yourself, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. So I think lots of agencies. I think the mindset agencies, lots of agencies are willing, but you've got to kind of fail and you've got to work out how to do it. And that costs money. But actually being within what I love being within this office and now being part of a network or as we say, a collective is I can learn from the successes and failures of the other markets, which means that we can do it here in a much safer way and a much in a much quicker way. Well, and that, that also segues well to my next question, which is it's. Not to say it's rare, but it's always interesting when you have two offices in the same network in the Mm. same city doing the same kind of work, uh, which we have with TBWA London and Lucky Generals. Uh, you obviously have a good relationship with them because you you came up through Lucky Generals, but uh, you know the TWA uh, CEO Troy Rohanna has said that he has no plans to yeah. to merge the two. This is not acquiring Lucky Generals was not a plan to make that TBWA London. Uh, so how is that split going to work? What what mm. what do you think they are really good at that makes them distinct from TBWA London and vice versa, where you can coexist? Yeah in a way that makes sense. Yeah, really interesting. Um, so we're definitely, we're friends, we're kind of, we have a familial relationship, but we, you're right, we are two independent businesses. And actually this year we've had the conversation because it's come up a couple of times, would we pitch against each other? And we're like, hell yes, we would. <laughs> and may the best man win, which I totally love. Um, but we do, um, we offer different things to clients and I think we appeal, we appeal to different clients. I think firstly, we have a different culture. Um, so they, uh, they are, a, um, a young, fresh agency. It's a very entrepreneurial, um, process fluid kind of place. And for some clients that's great. And for other clients, it's a little too much. It doesn't suit the way that organization works. Um, uh, at TBWA, 
we are the disruption company and actually lots of clients know about disruption. They understand the proven effects of disruption being a, an approach to thinking and work which unlocks business success. And actually they want to buy into that. They want to buy into an approach, a method which is proven and they want, it's easier for them to get their own businesses and their boards to buy into that. Um, we're, we are um, more fully integrated over here in terms of we have a much stronger data offer. We've got a much stronger e-com offer. And that really comes from the history of TBW the clients we have in the building. We've run fully integrated retail for a long time. We have Nissan here. Nissan is predominantly um, a, a data-driven business. We're, we're a tier one data agency. So we also have a kind of um, a different core, a different core skill set. We, we both, I think, do you know, populist creativity, but I think we, we do approach it in slightly different ways, have different skill sets, and suit a different type of, uh, of cultural client as well. I feel like you were really just laying the foundation for when you do end up pitching against them. Be like, well, here, here's this podcast where I explain ha! You know, it's so funny, and I, you know, between you and I and, and this podcast, um, <laughs> this year we, um, we did our first RFI to get onto a pitch. And, uh, and we beat them onto it. We actually had to later pull out because of a client conflict. So at the end of the day, it was never proven. Um, but it was great because it was really a client being able to look at um, the type of output that they wanted to get to. They would have got to, you know, you'd look on a reel and you'd see similar stuff from us and Lucky Generals. But it was just the approach, the... The, the process, the inputs that we were going to take the client on to get to that to get to that output just suited that client be- suited that client better. So it was just really interesting to see it borne out from a client perspective what they were choosing from one agency versus the other. Uh, one issue I want to be sure we talked about because I know this is a point of pride for TBWA across the yeah. network is how women have grown both in, in terms of creative leadership but also in terms of executive leadership. Yeah. Here, the CEO, the yeah. office, Lucky Generals, is led by a woman. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that, that, as I mentioned, that the company takes a lot of pride in. It feels like TBWA is being a, a bit more, not to say serious about it than other networks, but that it is, it, that these are major offices uh, that, yeah. that women are, are. And do you feel like, I mean, obviously I expect you would say, yes, they're, it's a great company for this kind of thing. But yeah. in comparison to ways that it's being done poorly sometimes in the industry. What do you think TBWA is doing right in terms of empowering women into leadership? It just puts its money where its mouth is. It takes decisions on things. So I always use this example just because... So I work four days a week, which is quite or very unusual at a CEO level for a first-time CEO as well. So remember, I hadn't been a CEO before I took this job. So they were taking a uh, a risk on me as someone moving up into this job, someone who has uh, about a one-year-old and a three-year-old when I started, who's going to do four days a week. And and I, you know, I when I've looked previously in other companies at hiring people on four days, people say, it's just much more convenient for us if they work five days. Yeah, 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 it is. It is. Would it be more convenient for this office if I was in five days? Yes, it probably would. It's would most I, convenient if you work seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But would I be doing this job if I had to work five days? No, I wouldn't. And ultimately, it's about understanding those decisions and taking that decision and understanding that what seems immediately the easiest thing to do right now isn't, isn't you know, is, is not in the longer term necessarily going to pay off. One of those things uh, I think is, and the, so there are some small practical things. There are also much bigger systemic issues in the industry that we need to solve. But just some small practical things like um, we changed our maternity and paternity policy when we came in because uh, it's, the agencies in the UK have wonderful, wonderful policies and you often get very enhanced pay for a period of time so that you can, you can take uh, you know, months off after you have a child. But you only get those once you've been in, the industry, once you've been in that job for, say, two years. 
So I sat in my old job when I was having a family because I was like, oh, if I move, I've got to stay there two years and before I'm going to get my money and I'm in the middle of having kids. And when we came in here, the first person I offered a job to as a BD, she came back and said to me, I'm not going to take it because, uh, because I've just got married and me and my husband think about having a family and if I come, I'm not going to be able to have kids for like two years. And a lot of people, realistically, practically, you're thinking about having kids in your mid-late 30s in this industry, a lot, lots of women. And so, and then a couple of weeks later, we were just thinking about it. And actually, it was Anna and Andy said to me, just change the maternity policy. I was like, oh, no, I don't. They're like, just change the policy. And I'm like, but what about then people come in and they have a baby like 10 minutes later? And it's like, mm-hmm. But we have the power to, we have the power to change that. So now you can come in, you can come in for a week and you can have a baby, you know, or your wife can have a baby and you can take your maternity and paternity. You get your full enhanced pay straight away the day you get in here. You don't have to stay for two years. And that's just a really small thing, but that is a practical reason why women at a certain point in their career don't move on and up. Yes, if we worked it out, it would probably cost us some money. But in the long term, we will benefit hugely because we will have a more diverse workplace. And in some ways, that was a small change that we were empowered to make. I didn't have to... I was like, do I have to ask Troy? Or do I? And they're like, no, you can just do that. But similarly, you know, when Troy hired me, no one at any point in time said to me, will you go to a five-day contract? They just, I was on it at Lucky Generals and they switched it over here and it was taken as red. No one even brought it up. And it's just those tangible things. You know, you, we can sit around and we can have symposiums and we can, you know, we can discuss the, the bigger challenges, etc. But you have, and TBW, I think, are great at taking action now on the things that we can take, the low-hanging fruit. Um, and you need a combination of those immediate short-term things and, of course, discussing the longer-term systemic issues. And I think T I've, what I've witnessed is TBWA has been really serious about taking those actions. Not to end the conversation on a somewhat dour note, but uh, it doesn't <laughs> feel Brexit, like... It's not Brexit, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't feel like there's a tremendous amount of optimism about the British economy, nor, mm. to be fair, the mm. U.S. economy. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to 2019, uh, what, I guess what is your personal kind of outlook? And as a company, what's your outlook for 2019? And also, what are you doing to prepare for that so yeah. that you don't end up in a position of, of being surprised by a recession? Yeah. Um, I mean, recession's almost the new norm. Like we've been in a recession since early 2000s, it sped up, it slowed down at different times, but it is the new normal. So in some ways, I think business, the industry in the, UK, in the UK went through seismic changes 20 years ago around like really improving efficiency and things like that. Um, you know, TBWA, Troy will always say, just don't, don't admire the problem. Don't sit around and admire the problem. Just get on with finding solutions for things. And so we're not, no one's waiting to see what's happening. We're just trying to iterate and improve every day. And ultimately, I think there is still... Um, creativity still provides a competitive advantage. It just takes a different shape. So yes, for some clients, it could still be TV. For a lot of clients, it isn't TV anymore. For a lot of clients, it isn't ATL. But those clients, there is still the benefit in them really having a really strong uh, strategic platform, a really strong idea that can glue things together, even more so as we see clients moving into um, uh, more scattered channels, so more mid-low funnel coming off of the usual broadcast. Actually, you know, spend can get what I call particleized, you know, just, you know, small short-term performance marketing all over the place. Actually, that activity is fine, but having a strong idea at the heart that can glue it together, having a strong look and feel, a strong design language, a strong thought, all of those things are still what 
TBWA does in spades, then there is still a commercial advantage to helping clients with those things. So I don't. I think we all we all believe that creativity can still have a commercial benefit to clients, and it can. We just need to be open to the fact that the shape of that output might change. Hence, things like. Uh, launching mobile this year, hence more data. But I don't think we're expecting, don't think the industry is expecting a seismic change next year. It's just continuing the the ongoing change and being ready for that that we've seen in the last few years. Well, Sarah Tate, uh, CEO of TBWA London, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And Thank congratulations you. on being part of the Global Agency of the Year. Thank you. Thank you. All right, then we will be back uh, soon. Thanks for listening.